you're you're sort of beside yourself. Mm-hmm. You have this awareness that you know, of course, you're not Vinny, right? But there's sort of a willful ignorance mm-hmm. that you allow yourself to be Vinny as it serves you when it's convenient, mm-hmm. when there's fun to be had, or yeah, you know, it's it's um it's a positive feedback loop of affirmation when you're on a show that's popular, people like it, and when you walk into a room, they give you immediate approval not because of you because they don't know you but because you're that guy who they think you are exactly Mm -hmm. so there's a incentive to play up that aspect of yourself and to indulge them for the acknowledgement the approval the attention and one thing is people don't recognize how um, powerful a drug attention is Hello, everybody. You're listening to Chatting with Candace. I'm your host, Candace Horback. Before we jump into this week's episode, I wanted to do a couple of quick shout outs. So I want to say thank you to Kevin Fitzgerald and Preslin for all of those cups of coffee. You both are extremely generous. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And I wanted to give a shout out to Lewis, who is a premium Patreon member. I couldn't do this without all of your support. So I sincerely appreciate all of the help. And a new thing that we're kind of keeping on with to kind of encourage those reviews is we're reading some of the reviews that I recently get. So this one is from Vinny B. It says, seriously amazing podcast. Candace does a great job with the content and the interviews. She is extremely intelligent. Her guests are knowledgeable, intriguing, and really make me think and validate my own beliefs and have helped open my mind to a new way of thinking that is definitely much more positive. I listened to my first episode and was hooked. Just wish there were more episodes. Well, I'm working on it. Thank you so much, Vinny. I really appreciate it. And speaking of Vinny, so this week we have Adrian Grenier joining the podcast. He is widely known, at least in my generation, as Vinny Chase from Entourage. He has such a really incredible story about leaving Hollywood and getting his hands dirty and working on some really big, impactful projects. So I hope you enjoy the conversation. Let me know what you think. Welcome to the show. Welcome to my stables. <laughs> this is amazing. Um, we haven't done anything on location, so I was really excited that we could make this happen. Welcome. Yes, I'm, I'm very happy to have you here. Um, we are very proud of this stables because uh, this actually had about a foot and a half of goat manure. Oh, boy. That we had to clear out. So you're on fresh dirt here. Clear the goat manure. I appreciate it. Yeah, no. I'll show you. (laughs) Leftovers. There you go. What'd you do with it all? (laughs) Put it in the back there. Um, It's good compost. It's just it was, the doors wouldn't shut. So this is in process, but eventually we'll have it back in working shape and then we'll bring in some more goats to put more manure in here. Yeah, it's just a cycle. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm, so... I'm really fascinated with the journey of, I guess, like the public persona that you decided to share with everyone, right? So it's when you have a celebrity or a public figure, it's like we start to generate an idea of who we think that they are, and then we kind of expect them to live up to those expectations. And you said something um, that was really interesting and like resonated with me specifically was that if you bec- if you play this character for so long, you tend to become it. And I think with one of your more famous characters, Vinny Chase, like that character was so, 
it it really blurred the lines between reality and fantasy for a lot of people because it seemed like we were actually watching your journey like become famous and like you, there was not that separation and i feel like i have that same thing happen with me just from the industry that i come with so i guess was there a time where you you were having those lines blurred like you're like am i vinny or am i adrian yeah i mean well look you're you're sort of beside yourself mm -hmm. you have this um this awareness that you know of course you're not vinny right but there's sort of a willful ignorance that you allow yourself to be vinny as it serves you when it's convenient when there's fun to be had or yeah you know, it's it's um it's a positive feedback loop of affirmation when you're on a show it's popular people like it and when you walk into a room they give you immediate approval not because of you mm -hmm. because they don't know you but because you're that guy who they think you are exactly mm -hmm. so there's a incentive to play up that aspect of yourself and to indulge them for the acknowledgement the approval the attention mm -hmm. and one thing is people don't recognize how um, powerful a drug attention is and it's a scarce commodity that we're all vying for. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, so, so like in tribal societies when there was, you know, anywhere between 20 and 100 people living together, easy to, to get acknowledgement from your community because everybody knows everybody and you, you, you can, you know, you have a, a role that you play. So you have a sense of purpose within that community. But in our society, we're all isolated, we're, we're lonely. And the way you get attention is by being on social media or on a television show. And so all of the attention has been, uh, you know, basically consolidated to a few famous people. Mm -hmm. and, and it's extremely addictive to those famous people and they just keep lapping it up. They need more and more and more. And then the rest of the people, you know, they, they're, they're, they're feeling, um, you know, isolated and un, unloved. Mm -hmm. So uh, I had to get off that. Um, I had to get clean, so to speak. Because it's intoxicating, <laughs> yeah. right? Like you show up and everyone's like, oh, you're so pretty. You're so famous. I love this thing that you did. Yep. And none of it's really substantial, right? Like it's just this, it was work. It was just this thing that you did. It's not you. It doesn't say anything about your character. But then that's not the person that they love. You're like, well, this feels so good. And then especially with the introduction of social media, you see these mm -hmm. numbers that would never exist before, right? Like you have, let's say, 100,000 people liked this photo. And you're like, well, what does that mean? Right. Right? And then that becomes your metric for happiness. Yeah. And it's fleeting because you got to, now you got to do it again Maintain the next it. day. Right. Right. Which yeah. is impossible. Right. Yeah. So I guess what what was the thing that got you off of that train? Cause for me, it was my husband. Like he, he would joke and I would come home. Um, if I would like be working in LA for a long time, I'd come home and like, I would kind of carry that energy with me. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you can leave Eva in California. Like, I don't want that. And he'd Candace back here and he would kind of oh. bring me back down. I was like, Whoa, I didn't even realize because it became so automated for me. Totally. Mm -hmm. Well, good for him. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Good for you for him. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, partners will, will do that because they see you as you and they see you better than other people. And they maybe sometimes see you better than yourself, especially when you're on one and you're on a, a trip. Yeah, I was floating you know, many feet off the ground and uh, in the clouds and, and 
you know, in my own grandiosity and my, my partner, Jordan, um, she, she brought me down. It wasn't as kind. <laughs> she wasn't as kind about it. She sort of gave me a, a what I call a, co- a cosmic karmic bitch slap <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just enough so that I was, you know, awakened, you know, just to like get one eye open to see, oh man, I'm, I've been asleep at the wheel for you know, 30 years, I mean, who knows how long, mm-hmm. ever since I started to, you know, become famous. So, um, and, and really love brought me back to myself and my ability to give of myself because I loved others, not just myself, you know, and that sort of brought me down to earth. So I had to ground myself. I had to start learning practical skills, long lasting, deep intimacy and connection with, with, with her and with, the land with earth that's why i mean that's why i'm here <laughs> to continue that journey of connection um not just vanity and indulgence mm-hmm. and i think that's a lot something a lot of people can re- relate to right now is l- lack of connection and how do you find that and how do you find purpose and fulfillment um did you find that when you were in the middle of that transformation process and you were kind of leaving that version that everyone thought you were which is like this playbook boy hollywood type and now i mean we're on a farm in a barn did you see a lot of people that were kind of i guess pushing back on that and saying like just shut up and make movies yeah and still do okay Um, you know i i (laughs) i i say that you know i i went from fuck boy to farmer (laughs) and And there are a lot of people that were invested in my fuckboyness. Right. Um, for good reason. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> right, you did it well. It was fun. Yeah. It was fun. Uh, yeah, and, and also I had to let go of many relationships that didn't have my best interest at heart. And it's not that they were intentionally evil, but maybe just not, um, you know, not op- they were operate. There was a, a complicit mutual reason for us keeping each other small and um and so you have to let go of those relationships you know and 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 even now when i return and i see people i haven't seen in a while and they haven't leveled up they haven't evolved Mm -hmm. the relationship can't continue i mean you could be nice but it's like i i need to surround myself with people who are spiritually ambitious who want to have more out of life and want to give and be of service to themselves, their families, and the future than uh, people who are just looking for a good time for a night. Mm -hmm. So do you, because I totally agree, it's like as you kind of reach these different levels of reality for yourself, you find more distance between you and maybe people that have been in your life forever because they're not on that same journey. Mm -hmm. And it can suck because sometimes it could be a family member or someone that's been like, you know, a best friend or what have you. So where's the balance between, I guess, trying to influence them and then just like accepting that you can't change people. You can't, you can't change people. You can't change the world outside. You can change yourself. And then in having changed you necessarily the world outside you starts to change um so it really is uh an inside job it's a personal um pursuit and i i mean i was on that trip too even when i was in my own game 
you know, I really believed I was going to change the world. And then I was such a great guy. I was a good person because I, you know, built charities and stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm a UN environment ambassador and I do all these things for the earth. But it was really like trying to legislate or dictate how the world should be out there. And meanwhile, my own, I didn't have my own shit in order. Um, and when you meet people who, they haven't been enlightened yet. You know, that it's easy to want to judge and say, well, I'm, you know, but it's, again, you're getting into that same trip. So you have to really let go. And sometimes, you know, you recognize that, um, you know, things, things change and that change can be hard. And that's why, you know, that's why death is designed into the system of life because in order to change, you have to let go of things and things have to die, even relationships. Uh, and, and it's sad. And then you have to, and then you mourn that. You have to, you know, take the time to allow yourself to be sad. And and if you lose a, a lifetime friend because you've gone separate ways, take 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 the time, take a moment to allow yourself to mourn and grieve that that loss doesn't mm-hmm. mean it won't come back around. And guess what? Life always does have a way of remanifesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. Um, I think surrender is a huge part of that too Mm. because like you said if you try to force things it's so easy that if you feel like you have a noble cause that you can kind of fall into this ego trap where like well i know better so i'm just going to tell you how to live but that's not a place of power and that's not a place where you can actually create like sustained influence and you see that a lot when it comes to any kind of movement right now whether it's like people pushing for veganism or something for the environment or it's like my way of living is the way of living instead of just kind of existing and they say like an oak tree doesn't have to you know um impress anyone or prove anyone that it's an oak tree just simply by existing you can appreciate its beauty and its and its shade and Amen. utility right yep. and it's like to be like that be the oak be the oak yeah <laughs> in some cases but in other cases you don't because those you know break and not bend that, that's right yeah but you know i, I guess be authentic right? mm-hmm. be true to yourself and a lot of times you know just speaking of the, the lifestyle of, of fame and um the the pretend play of um storytelling you know, there's there's a lot of fake ass behavior out there. Mm-hmm. You know, the people aren't authentic. Mm-hmm. You know, they're being what the character calls of, you know, calls them to be, or what is popular at the moment. Safe and monetizable. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, and it's hard to be truly authentic because it may mean that you're not gonna, you know, have the kind of success that you think you need to have, mm-hmm. and and it's a different kind of success but it's still valid. So when it comes to that, because that's also a conversation I see a lot right now is authenticity and how do you find your authenticity? And people are searching for people telling that to tell them who to be, which is like counterproductive. Um, what was your journey to finding your authenticity? What is my authenticity? I mean, I mean this I is, <laughs> I mean, like there's dirt. You just picked up dung. Um, you have a gardens growing. You have this great vision for this property. I think it takes a certain type of person to be able to leave something that is as comfortable, shiny and rewarding as Hollywood to do this. And it's not saying that like, oh, you're better than everyone that stayed. But it's saying that like you had a voice that was telling you that wasn't you and this is you. And you made what I'm guessing is a very scary leap to have a very different circumstance. I mean, it, w- it was a really a, a two plus year journey 
uh, of shedding a lot of the ego identity, mm-hmm. a lot of the vanity, a lot of the indulgences. I mean, I literally designed my life. So throughout a day, I would have little um, you know, dopamine hits. You know, you know if, if it wasn't like going to a fancy brunch and having like a nice, you know, eggs benedict, ooh, <laughs> exciting. And then you go after brunch and you meet a friend and you, you know, chat and you talk and you like catch up and that's fun. And then next thing you know, you're having cocktails and then, you know, then it's a, a, a dinner, a fancy dinner with like amazing people and everybody's, you know, somebody. And then next thing you know, there's a party. So it was literally just constant indulgence. And I had to get clean again, as I said, and let go of that and come back down to earth and start to rebuild a new life. Um, and and I guess I'm still, I still don't feel like a farmer. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in pursuit of being able to grow food and work with the land, work in you know in in harmony with nature to steward this land um but i'm an apprentice i mean i don't I, i'm still learning and i think that maybe okay so i think I've, I've come to something if you want to find your authenticity you first have to get low to the ground and humble yourself and accept that you don't know and that's that's okay and then you start to awaken a curiosity because mm-hmm. if you don't know if you're not so sure of yourself, then you can be curious about what is possible. And, and, and then that curiosity will lead you to discover who you are. Right. Because if you only have certainty or what you think is certainty, then you're actually closing yourself off to any kind of serendipity exactly. or possibility. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. That's yes. I totally agree. <laughs> I totally agree. And I think you like if you have enough quiet time which like what you were describing it's you weren't having those moments of just silence and just yourself you're constantly surrounding yourself with things and people um and events it's like you i think your body almost will tell you like your soul will tell you if you're actually happy or versus like you're happy it's just circum by your circumstance right like i'm only happy because everything is going great right now and like this character is serving me right now versus like i can be quiet with nature and i'm happy just being Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i used to see out in the world the universe trying to give me little signs or warnings always i think that too that i would ignore Uh you know totally i would i know better right i would or i just wasn't uh in touch enough to really um see that the the universe is always speaking to you so i was i was wasn't hearing it because I was um, I was asleep essentially, you know. I, I, but like I would see versions of my older self out there in on private planes and like silver foxes, like <laughs> way too old to be with way too young girls. And I'm like, and and in retrospect, it's like, oh, that was me. That was a reflection of me. It was like in a 2001 Space Odyssey, uh, the final psychedelic sequence where he travels through a wormhole and then he ends up, you know, time is split asunder and then he sees himself as an older man and then he sees himself as a baby and he's, all, all timelines are co-mixed, like Matrix type shit mm-hmm. where you're like, oh, if you allow yourself to be intuitive and connected to what is being told, it's like, it's karma. It's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a direct call response. It's feedback, immediate feedback. 
it's there. Like I saw myself and, and I was like, don't, you know, it's like, you're on the wrong path. Mm -hmm. You're going the wrong way. Yep. And I just didn't know. I just didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't know how to read that at the time. And you know, it's, it's, it's a skill I think that you have to cultivate. Mm -hmm. Awareness. Awareness. Yeah. Mindfulness. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I think so too. And I think it's, for me, my opinion is like when you start making all of, we'll say wrong, and I know like, you know, it's a lot more complicated than wrong, right and wrong. But when you start like making wrong decisions or heading a little bit too astray, I think like those hints get louder and louder and louder. And that's how you end up with this life or person that you don't recognize or that's very unfavorable. And it just keeps magnifying because I think like God or the universe or whatever you want to call it wants you to live like the best most fulfilled version of this existence so it'll make it as painful as possible to make you break to get you back on course uh, well I, again like you said it's it's a judgment to say wrong or right it's just a path and if you're aware of it go ahead choose it but are you choosing it or are you just you know passively you know going with it are you in charge of your life are you sovereign are you making those choices um so it's you know Go ahead and go on any path you want as long as you're actually in charge of that decision. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, like consciously making right. the decisions in your life instead of kind of drifting right, throughout. Because I would argue if, if you had a choice between living a rich, deep, fulfilled life in nature with community and family and your loved ones versus, you know, indulgence and, you know, fleeting, you know, superficial exchanges and, you know, you're going to make, I mean, that's just another judgment, but I would say mm -hmm. I'm so happy I'm making the choices I'm making now. Oh, yeah, yeah. for sure. It's um, Tom Bilyeu says this all the time, and he's like, if you think that money and fame will make you happy, then why do so many like famous people and billionaires still kill themselves? Like, that's not the solution at all, right? It's just like this really pretty Band-Aid, but it's not going to fulfill you. It's not going to give you that sense of community or fulfillment or purpose. Um and I think like I've heard you talk a little bit too, like throughout your journey, like the importance of kind of owning your divine masculinity and getting into that energy, which I think is really fascinating because we right now, I feel like there's always ebbs and flows throughout life. And we've been in this very masculine energy of existence. And now we're shifting to kind of like a hyper feminine version because things always had like these massive swings and then they settle in the middle or at least hopefully they do so right now because we're in this more of a feminine surge i feel like men are being kind of told to just sit back and not engage in that divine masculinity or the healthy masculinity masculinity which i think is just masculinity i think that we lump it all into toxic and i'm like well that's actually not masculinity that's actually you know someone that has their own insecurities and they haven't figured out how to channel that um, so I guess what got you to, I guess, see like the importance of, of cultivating that? Yeah. Well, it, in the process of shedding my, um, uh, belief systems, um, the frameworks of, uh, uh, accumulation, wealth, um, power, uh, I had to find a different way of life. And that's when I opened my mind to new ideas and started looking at what it is to be a man and um, came across masculine feminine uh, frameworks and started to explore it and recognizing that there's 
an energy flow of both both polarities, um, both genders, both sexes. Um, and we have both in within us, and this is what I believe now at least, mm-hmm. uh, we have both masculine and feminine in us. And then within each pole, you have the, the, the light expression or the dark expression of that. And, um, and so there's different layers that you can tap into. And as we develop, as we evolve, you know, we start to grow this awareness, not only in the mind, but also in the body. And you start to be able to um, navigate or express yourself in different, different ways. And for so long, I was, you know, to your point, raised by a feminist in a, you know, um, f- from a, a female perspective that didn't trust men because my mom, my mom's father left her. Uh, she never had any positive uh, role models, male role models in her life. My father then left me and her, so she didn't trust that. And also, on some level, because she didn't trust, she chose a man that wouldn't stay. And then she taught me that she could be both father and mother to me. And that I started to now internalize her relationship to men and became, in many ways, um, emasculated and feminized, and I wasn't in touch with my masculine. And yet, I'm a, I'm a man. I got testosterone coursing through my body, and I'm growing up, and I'm seeking on some level, some deep level, I'm seeking an expression of that masculine. And I hadn't, I, my father was gone. Again, this pattern's now uh, being cycled. I didn't have any role models that could teach me how to be a divine masculine expression. So I ended up finding because it's everywhere in the world, outside in the world, these, um, these negative expressions of masculinity, fame, fortune, uh, dominance, ego, uh, all of those things. And it satisfied a part of me on some level, but it was uh, destructive. So I had to relearn what it means to be a man by in many ways unlearning what, my mom taught me was to be a a, a woman. So I I feel like right now, culturally, uh, um, on mass, we are relearning both both of those roles and how best to show up for each other as men, as a divine expression of masculinity, and also women. And to me, you know, when you look at um, toxic, um, you know, uh, patriarchy, it's it's not just men making bad choices or or being destructive. It's also how women show up as well. Uh, we need to do it in concert together. Absolutely, as, as like a you know a mutual collaboration, a co-creation. Right, we're not enemies. We're not enemies. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what happens is a, a lot of times, like even I saw my mom having to rise to the occasion to be that masculine force for survival, so she could take care of me. And it became a toxic expression of masculinity through a woman, right? So not only do we have a toxic masculine culture, but we also have women who are also participating in that as well. More now than ever. Right. There's this comedian, um, I think it was Tim Dillon, and he's like, toxic masculinity um, 
isn't isn't dead and it's not going anywhere it just exists in women now <laughs> and, <laughs> and there's some yeah. truth to it yeah. absolutely because i i really resonate with that but on like the the opposite end so um my dad left when i was relatively young as well my mom was a single mom but she, by the way who who here you know everybody out there i'm sure what is it like you know it's very few there's like 20 percent people have you know, mother and father in the home. Which is the root cause of a lot of what we see now. Under 30, it's, it's low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, um, but yeah, it's it's kind of like the the mirror image of, of your version. So my dad left really early as well. My mom was a single mom of three and uh, for very similar reasons, always kind of unintentional or maybe unconsciously, subconsciously picked the wrong men, yeah. right? Ab yeah. Abandonment issues, that kind of thing. And then- yeah. Tra Trauma that, attracts trauma. Exactly, yeah. mm -hmm. right? Because that's your each other's comfort zone and we can exist in this space together because this is predictable. Um, the chaos is predictable. Yeah. Yeah. So she ended up having that unhealthy expression of feminine energy which ends up being toxic masculinity which then i pick up and model because that's all little humans are is they're yeah. just modeling the behavior that they see Absolutely. so me losing touch with my feminine side and becoming very harsh and domineering and disagreeable mm. which there were times where that was helpful but from like a large scale it when you're in a marriage right that's problematic so it's like well how do i how do i I guess engage with that feminine energy again so he can be masculine because you can't have both people in the relationship fighting for that masculine role. Yeah. It's not gonna it's not gonna turn out well and that's mm -hmm. not gonna be a marriage that lasts. So it's being comfortable with surrendering because that's a lot of what a woman is, is like being soft and open. And that was hard for me because I'm like, well, if I'm those things, then who's gonna protect me? Right? Like it's not having that trust for my husband to take on that protective role because uh, traditionally that's been my role or that's been my mom's role. And I'm like, yep. well, a guy's never done that. So it's um, unlearning what is what seems like a truth for you now for a truth that's better and serves you well. Yeah, 100%. And also recognizing that you're making a choice to, to use certain frameworks to model your life, right? Um, so... This may be Chinese to some people. They may not understand the masculine fem, but, but it seems that we've done a fair amount of research, reading up on and meditating on these ideas, and they work for, for me in this moment. And my partner, she also agrees with this, and it helps us navigate the world because we get to put that, you know, that frame onto the, the, the world and then start to build uh, based on those, those truths. Um, and those truths can change. Like, I mean, I think we are malleable and we do evolve. But right now, I think it's, these are lessons. It can be controversial too. You know, don't tell me I can't be this or I can't do that. And it's like, no, yeah, you can. But just like working here on the land with the earth, you can come in and try and impose your will on nature. And if you build in a floodplain, you're going to get your ass handed to you. And you can do it. Mm -hmm. But just know that there are natural flows, natural, you know, energies that work in certain ways and if you're working in opposition to it you know it, it may not work out as well go ahead and do it but if you work in flow if you work along with it it might work out better for you but you know hey 
you know, don't take my word for it. No, I totally agree <laughs> because sometimes they think it's kind of going backwards and it's like, oh, well, women are supposed to be just barefoot and pregnant in the right. kitchen. It's not what anyone's saying, but it is saying like you can actually only make cer- a certain amount of decisions a day. Like you actually will have burnout. So I forgot that number is. Um, but after that, you just you cannot make decisions successfully throughout the rest of the day. So part of that is just cognitive load, right? Mm. If I know that the my duties in this relationship in the household are X and you know yours are Y, that's one less decision that I have yeah. to make. Um, there was this video I saw and this husband was a farmer and he had just got done like bringing in all these logs and he's like, honey, where's my coffee? And everyone's like, how dare you ask her for the coffee? You're, <laughs> you're a misogynist. Like, She's allowed to, or you can make your own coffee. You're well, an able-bodied she can, man. She can load her own wood. <laughs> he did that. The next day he's, he comes and he's like, I listen, I'm a feminist and I'm modern, so I'm going to go inside and make my coffee. He's like, honey, go get the logs. Don't get no damn logs. <laughs> I'm like, well, come on. This is ridiculous. Yeah. And, and you know, what are you predisposed to do? Like, what do you, I mean, I love going to bring in logs. I don't. There you I'll go. make we're, the we're coffee. Right? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, it's not, I think people are, are, are like working against the grain right now. Like if you take the time to humble yourself and listen to what your body is, what you need, you know, and you, and you clear all the traumas that are trying to, you know, impose themselves on you, all the patterning that isn't really you, um, that's in rebellion or in opposition to, I, I, feel, I feel a great amount of, you know, sadness or um, compassion for my mother who felt like she had to be the man and went out and worked her ass off and never had time to be the mom she wanted to be and to be the, the woman she wanted to be. Didn't have a man to protect her enough so that she could have that full expression of her femininity. And, you know, I, she's, I mean, a happy, amazing woman, but um, I do see that there was something that she was craving in her life. And my heart breaks for her. Like I, I, I want. I wish that she could have had more of that, you know, ability to just be carefree in her feminine and not have to be, you know, the breadwinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a lot of that too just comes down to narratives that have been kind of forced on us, like that generation. Um, like specifically, I would say for mine, it would be. Like you're expected to be this boss babe and be pulling in all of all of these numbers and hours at work, but also you can also be a full time mom. And no matter what, there's right. a sacrifice that's going to be made, and people don't want to admit that. If you're going to be a CEO of a company and you also decide to have kids as as a woman, there's going to be a sacrifice on both, right? Yeah, you're not going to be as present a mother as if you didn't work and you're not going to be as badass of a ceo as if you didn't have children so you can make that decision to do both but understand that there is a cost yeah Mm -hmm. and and also you have to be pretty and you know demure and thin and cute and all those things Mm -hmm. I, i would say part of my divine masculine expression is recognizing that when a woman is um when she has a family, when she creates life, when she conjures life out of thin air and brings a human into the world and is a mom, that is boss bitch. 100%. Right? That is, I mean, like, I humble myself. I bow to that. It's magic. I yeah. mean, I could load, you know, wood for the rest of my life and I wouldn't be able to do that. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
kudos to you for Thanks. that <laughs> incredible power and strength and it's Thank interesting you. it's interesting too that we um we took the value away from that like we almost like pew pew at women that decide to do that and it's like oh well you t you're taking the easy lazy thing you're just deciding to just be a mom and like you have no idea unless you've done it and it's a very powerful thing like there's like a huge spiritual transition that happens with it and obviously like there's a this connection that has I would say with like earth, that's what we call it, mother earth, right? Like the, it's the ability to create life. Um, and I'm like, I don't think any spreadsheet is more powerful than creating a little human. Um, so I think it's really important to kind of tell these young women, this is very powerful work. It doesn't make you lesser than. And I would venture to say, just even based off my own experience, there's no job, paycheck or status that's going to make you feel the way that having a child makes you feel. Amen. Yeah. Amen. It's gonna get me a lot of shit, I'm sure. If you think probably. Because people like the narrative right now is like you don't need a man or um your equal partners and it's not to say that you're not, but it like you're the same. Like there's no difference between you and a man, especially in a relationship. Um I I don't know if you know this, but like no women are we're not having kids anymore. It's like for the first time in history, it's the lowest it's ever been. So there's the most unmarried un i guess um non-mothers in like the millennial generation ever so um but and you also have this crisis of identity and purpose and fulfillment like hmm, i'm not gonna say cause and effect but i am saying like you can look at a lot of the the red flags here and see like maybe we're not putting enough value on connection and family anymore well if you're gonna catch it yeah we're gonna do it together, together? Okay. yeah i'm in it with you but it, it is interesting. I just, I just, you know, it just occurred to me that with all of this desire to be individual and have your own expression and your identities is unique and special, and yet we want to clump together in all these broad categories, you know, ma masculine, feminine, you know, different race groups. Um, we are all so special and unique just by default. None of us are the same. You know, it's like to, to describe anyone would take a lifetime. And yet language is shorthand, you know? So why do we want to hold on to these, these identities, these words? It's really irrelevant, you know? And, and th this is just out of convenience. We use the, the words to try and express, but close your eyes, breathe, meditate. And then that is truth. And it is just you, your special, unique expression whoever you are, masculine, feminine, black, white, red, whatever. Um, so, yeah, I, I, it just occurred to me that language is so um, in, in, insufficient. <laughs> mm -hmm. They say that we won't be talking in the future. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, like you'll have Neuralink and you'll be able to read minds and that because language is so limited that you're going to have a lot better communication without, like, what is that going to be like? How much more are you going to learn about each other? And, well, and, and I've been practicing, and my intuition, I'm, I, I'm proud to say, has been cultivated more and more over, over the years. Um, there was, you know, at a time when I was um, up my own ass where I was all head and cock. Mm -hmm. Like I communicated on two wavelengths, <laughs> you know, intellectually and, and, and like sexually. And the whole, you know, heart and intuition was offline. And when I stopped getting in my own thoughts and in my own brain and then my other brain, um, 
I started to feel more. And it, and it and sometimes feeling is painful. It hurts. It's you know, there's no wonder I was trying not to feel. I was trying to numb that those feelings because it can be painful, especially if you have trauma, which you know we all do, and I did. Um, but as I started to work through that trauma, start to purge some of it and let some of it go, there's a little voice that's nonverbal, that's emotional, that's intuitive, that I started to feel things out in the world. And I didn't need to talk. I could, you know, I'd go on a date and instead of telling myself, oh yeah, she's objectifying her and she loves me and this is what she wants, this is how I'm going to, this is what I'm going to do to get her. And I started to feel into her, I would realize she's not for me. You know, this isn't right. You know, this date is basically a friendship. And I never had that before. I could never really t- dip into like the truth of a relationship because I was too busy in the stories in my head that I was projecting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, intuition's huge. And that's something that I think a lot of people have lost connection with. And to kind of bring this to here, because I definitely want to get into the work that you're doing on on the land, um, they say a lot of it actually has to do with our diet. So the things that you're eating are messing up like your second brain, which is in your oh. stomach. Mm-hmm. So if you're not eating the right foods and the right nutrients, then that kind of go- goes all haywire and you lose that intuition, which is real. Like they, they train people in the CIA yeah. on how to use it properly. Right. Um, so it's, it's a very real, not hippy dippy thing. Um, so what I see a lot of conversations in the food space is that people are trying to kind of monopolize it and they treat it like IP now. So when you see things like uh, Beyond Burger, like the mission that they're on is to kind of create, they mm. want to own that vertical. Um, what you're doing here, I think is so fascinating because you're growing your own food and you're trying to have other families here to be as, I guess, sovereign as possible. Yeah. And to me, I think that, uh, I've heard you talk about like scalability and people are like, well, if it's not scalable, but it's almost like these industries have become so inflamed that that's the reason that they're not working now. And there's these two authors that wrote, um, it's called Sacred Cow and it gets into the meat industry. And it's like, well, the way that we're doing factory farming is obviously atrocious. I don't think anyone is like, yeah, that's how we should be raising our food. Um, but they're like, well, how else do we do it? Because we have to pr- be able to provide meat for the rest of the world. So if you have the, these tiny little um, localized farms that are regenerative and they work with the land, everyone can eat meat in a sustainable way. It's just the model that we currently have is not sustainable. And the conversations aren't being had because that obviously doesn't benefit the people that are making the most profit right now. So I think where we're seeing the future of everything kind of going, especially even with web three is everything getting decentralized and then having like these smaller little tribes. It's almost like we came from tribes and now we're going full circle into tribes. And then we're going to have tribes that do altcoins and NFTs and live in the metaverse and all of that. So I'd love to get into the work that you're doing here and what that big vision is. Yeah. Um, so I guess the first thing is um, to respond to what you're saying. I'm looking to develop a ethical and spiritual perspective that I can then start to build upon. Mm-hmm. And so that took some time to just figure out, like, what do I believe? You know, what's my relationship to things and money and food and systems and all the things. So, and I've been doing environmental work for a long time. So I, I have a, an understanding of conventional activism Mm -hmm. and environmentalism, but it's not working. 
the oceans are still getting screwed and there's still pollution and climate change is real. Um, so what's new? How are we, do, how are we going to do this? And yeah, decentralization is something that's really, really inspiring to me. The idea that we can create little uh, cohesive, little island, like smaller islands of cohesion, little um, communities where we can all be sovereign and self-sufficient and then network out to other communities that are also taking care of themselves. Because what happens with factory farms or monocropping is once it gets to a certain scale, that's when disease starts to be introduced and it starts to ravage. And that's when um, cows start producing methane, you know, at scale that doesn't, that the environment can't handle. Because a system that is built, an, an environmental ecological system, a farm system, a food system that's created in harmony with itself, there's no waste. Everything that is released goes back into the land. Like this manure on the ground is now fertilizing the fields. Uh, but when you go to a factory farm, you have a lot of manure or shit that just ends up getting collected and doesn't get used because the environment can't use it fast enough. And then it just goes as a waste product. Um, so when you have waste in any system, the system's broken. And the way we're doing things is we have a lot of waste. And it's this linear system where our plastic goes in the ocean or in the environment and, and is wasted. Uh, our garbage goes into landfills and, and doesn't get reused. But in a regenerative, organic, permaculture design system, everything gets reused and utilized mm -hmm. within the system. So there's no waste. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like I'm rambling. Um, what was the question? It was kind of like what what your vision is and like the role of decentralization with like these inflamed industries. And I like that you brought up the monocrop um, agriculture because I think a lot of people right now, they think that if they could automatically go vegan, that they're doing something that's good for the environment. And it's like, no, 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 no. You could arguably say that that is just as bad, if not possibly worse than what we're doing with factory farming, because um, all the chemicals that you're using and all of like, you're still killing an immense amount of living creatures like they're just a lot smaller and maybe not as cute as the ones that you're trying to save um so both of thing both of the things anything at yeah. scale that big is a problem yeah and i think it's important not to you know fall into cynicism where there's no solution right. right um but i do believe that local solutions are are the best where you start working in harmony with others so you can have that uh tribe so borrowing from uh, technologies and wisdom both ancient bringing it back bringing the tribe back um using technologies of plant medicines that are going to give you a lot of insight you know help you see the world in new and novel ways and and and, and, and a, a touch of you know the um you know the system the, the 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 way this earth is designed and then also modern technologies like using them to best support whatever you're building within community. So yeah, using crypto, which I'm a huge fan of. In fact, here on the land, we're looking to build our own coin so that we can trade with each other and, and store value locally so that it doesn't get sucked up by centralized governments or uh, banking systems. And that way we can start to raise the value of 
this particular land um, unto itself. Um, and what we're building here is um, a diverse, um, interconnected network of systems, food creation, community building, uh, social exp- and, and, um, and also familial. So like families, five or so families living here, all participating to grow food. Then we uh, have enough food for the community. We share it with our neighbors. We can sell some to make a couple of bucks. Mm -hmm. And then familial, how are we going to take care of each other so that we don't have, I mean, you're talking about searching for a nanny and how how hard (laughs) it is to have um, any freedom or ability to move and operate because, you know, you're, you know, you don't have anyone to, to watch the kids for a couple hours. So can we as a community start to take care of each other and each other's kids just like they used to do back in the day? You know, it takes a village. Yeah, it does. So let's, let's create one. Um, yeah, all these things are, are, are being built and being created and it's new and interesting and curious and fun. Um, and I believe we should all be laboratories for what's possible. We should all be as individuals trying things and then as communities trying things because the system as it is, is failing us. It's starting to collapse. We see it. So what are we going to replace that system with as opposed to propping it up artificially? Um, we can actually start to create the systems that will ultimately replace the current one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's more important now than ever, because as you see things that are, I guess, being like overregulated, if you want, because you see um, certain countries and certainly this one that are considering doing like social credit scores and that gets worrisome when you consider like the doomsday environmentalists that are like you know apocalypse now so they're gonna be like you've had your your red meat quota for this week or oh, we don't like how many eggs you've had we really want you to have this soy version and it's like well how do you maintain that sovereignty that you want when you have such a powerful system of saying that you can't do it and to me that's crypto and that's decentralization so if you have all of these little tribes and you have your own token then no one else is in control of that value and they can't manipulate it as well right because like we, what we see with the u.s dollar right now is manipulation it's like things aren't only just more expensive it's like your dollar is actually just worth way less so that mm. combination is going to be a problem for a lot of people amen and i see it all the time in environmentalism and i've been doing this for 20 plus years there is this arrogance in which everyone wants to control everybody and tell everybody, and I was there, I did, I did the same thing, tell everybody how to be and try and run around controlling all the things. And it's the same mentality, the colonial mentality where we think we can go in and dominate and tell and, and control and have dominion over the world, nature. We try and control nature so that it, it serves our bidding try and control people so they serve we exploit nature we exploit people and it's the same and and it's it's crazy to say but environmentalists are are also expressing many you know modern doomsday environmentalist mentality is expressing that same fear-based control over you know people and the world and and in in almost in a manic neurotic uh fashion versus recognizing that nature if we're learning from nature it's about diversity 
absolute diversity, biodiversity, where each individual element is operating in its own sovereign way and it's interconnected and working together. It's not about one monocropped mentality that's going to tell you what to do and how to fix it. Yeah. The minute someone tries to tell me they're going to fix it, I, you know. Mm-hmm. Go the other way. <laughs> go the other way. <laughs> you know, you think you're actually going it's, to, it's, and it's crazy to me, um, environmentally speaking. You know, we think, you know, we, okay, climate change is real. We're participating in, in creating, uh, you know, gases in the environment that are creating or at least contributing to climate change. And then people think that we're going to come in and fix it. How? The, the, the thing, the, the complexity of our current system economically, socially, that has been developed and, um, and established over hundreds of years, thousands of years, and now we're just going to fix it with like a one-size-fits-all one and drive policy, electric yeah. cars. That's, mm-hmm. that's your answer. Or, right. you know, don't do this or don't do that or do this or do that. Um, I think the only answer is how do we empower individuals to be more in touch with themselves, more in their intuition, in their hearts, and lot, not so much in their minds and their ego, but living as they need to on individual sovereign level to contribute to a positive world. And, and I don't know the answer to that because that means everybody has to choose. Everybody has to be a part of it. And everybody has to start um, recognizing their importance and their power and then uh, choosing to participate in, in it. But we have to create the systems that excite them, I guess. And so what does that look like? I don't know. I think it's like it kind of, they work in tandem with one another. So it's like as problems start to get worse, like the solutions are kind of forced to arise. And that's strictly just from, I would say, capitalism partially, right? So it's people, that's one way where profit is a good thing. And like that being a motivation for some people is a good thing. Cause like, if you want to save money, I've, um, who is it? Uh, it's almost anyone who's like a proponent of, uh, or opponent of cryptocurrencies are like, oh, it's terrible for the environment. Well, first of all, that's not true. Cause it's kind of be, been debunked that cryptocurrency is worse for the environment than fiat money. Like fiat money takes a bigger toll. Right. Um, but no one wants to say that just people that want to regulate right. and it. Who's done the calculations. Yeah. Uh, you know. Right. It's so new. Yeah. Um, but if you're trying to make the most when it comes to mining, obviously you're going to be trying to save as much energy. So then you're creating innovation there. And and the same we see happening with electric vehicles. We're not there yet. So to have a policy that's like everyone has to be electric by 2025, well, your power grid already doesn't sustain what you have right now. So how is that going to work? So I don't think it's by forcing people. I think the problems will eventually start creating solutions with those entrepreneurs and like those inventors and then kind of trickles down to where the people start adopting that on like the level that they're able to. Not everyone can go buy a $50,000 electric vehicle because gas is too expensive. Like that doesn't make sense. It's kind of like let them eat cake. (laughs) Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're you're so out of touch. Right, they should just eat, you know, solar panels. Right, and then (laughs) we're going to pretend that that also doesn't have a cost. Like have you seen those mining fields? They're atrocious. Yeah, Yeah, and you have little kids that are digging tunnels to get minerals. It's not great. You know what I mean? Like this iPhone is not great. Yeah, so, well, that's why I still have a nine. Do you? <laughs> I'm bad. I upgrade probably way more than I should. But uh, well, I, I yeah, and then then it's again, it's we're in. A, it seems like we're in a conundrum, but that is life, right? We, um, and can we, can we, just stop for a moment with trying to solve everything and change everything? 
and can we just be? And I think when, once there's a lot, there's a, that's, that's the way the power systems have been created, you know, that, um, you know, feel like we have to go around telling everyone else what to do and how to be. And back in the day, talking about old wisdom, tribal societies, it's not the way it was. People would come together in council, you know, and they would, they would, they would work together. But now it's, it's about power and dominance and Putin and, you know, and, and, you know, trying to like use violence and, and control. So with your plans for this in this community, is it going to be kind of set up like a DAO? So like the people that lived here would also be invested in the land and have like voting rights through however the token share worked out kind of. Yeah. So we'll, we'll create a coin Mm -hmm. and then um, some sort of DAO or land trust or a land trust DAO so that all of the land gets put into the trust or into the DAO and then the community members don't own it. I think, you know, when it, when you're invested in something, you you have a, a an interest in caring for it. Um, but when you own it as individuals, it starts to separate us. It okay. starts to become separate. Like you own that, I own this. I think we we own responsibilities on the land, so we each have uh, something that you know we're uh, the you know the the soul the, like the you, you basically like. Uh, uh, you own the department, and then you would you would be able to um, ha- make decisions on that particular um, thing. But we would work together to take care of the land. So we've risen the land to the status of guru. So then you take the ego thing about because you know whenever you do um, intentional communities or communes, the thing that always gets in the way is the ego of like the master or the, the leader, guru, yeah. the leader who ends up taking advantage because uh, he gets you know, ahead of himself or too big for his britches. So we take that out of the equation. So we serve the land and the land can get as big as it wants, as, as, uh, you know, uh, abundant as it needs to be. Um, and there really is no limit. So that's in theory. And then, um, so when you, when you come to live on this land, you will buy into the trust. You okay. will invest in the trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you will own a piece of it, I guess. No, that's really cool. So do you, because you also have a fund, Mm -hmm. um, is this something that, are they kind of in cohesion together? Like the fund would, I guess, entertain the idea of helping someone else start this to not like scale necessarily because it would be its own entity, but to kind of create more of these little pockets. So so twofold. Um, Yes, they're related because they're all tied together in certain lifestyle and a perspective so all of our investments mirror they reflect the lifestyle that we're building here uh, but at out in the world so they scale the 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 ideas and the wisdom that we're cultivating here um but out in the 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 world at large um and so through Ducontra, we invest in human development personal development so the up leveling of the individual sovereignty you know mental health uh, nutritional health, good gut, gut biome, so that people are making the best decisions and they're sovereign and they're independent and they can make those solid, you know, wise choices. Community, so communitas is one of our verticals, so investing in 
tools to help people work together better or come together um, or um, collaborate. Um, and then money is another thing. So the future of finance, how do we heal our relationship to money, fiat and otherwise, so that we can uh, build tools uh, and, and systems like crypto or uh, other institutions to bring more equity and access so that when a human is leveled up and they're working with others to build the world, they have the tools, money to go build it. And so then the final category is consumer goods. So what are they building? Um, consumer goods that are better for people and the planet. And we just, we stay out of the way. We're agnostic in that way. We're not trying to make specific bets on companies. It's more category wide so that we believe within those verticals, people can be empowered enough to go out and build the world. And that by default, it will be better because they're the ones being inventive. So as we were talking before, empowering individuals as opposed to telling them how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I think that's great too, because I think there is this mis misconception that you're automatically bad or evil if you're successful and you're making a lot of money. Um, I think it's like John Mackey that talks about conscious capitalism. And to some people that seems like an oxymoron, but if like, if we all adopted this idea of ethics behind our profits, like what a better world that would be even on the, uh, like an individual scale. So I've always said like when you have this really big platform and this big audience that you've built over the years, that's great. But I think a lot of people kind of have this illusion that they own that audience and that they, that audience solely exists to line their pockets. And I think when you have that, it's almost such a waste and, and to me, it's wrong to not use it in an ethical way and also be having having some exchange back and forth where you're also contributing to them and you're providing them with something totally. valuable. And I'm like, we exist for so much more than to just be rich. That doesn't mm -hmm. make sense. And if you are one of these very rare people that has hundreds of thousands or millions of followers, it's like, well, what are you providing back? Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, we... so. I know I know John Mackey. He's he's a local here. Oh really? Yeah. I think he's great. I've he's never great. met him, he's, but you know, conscious capitalism. Yes, um, we have our own term that we say we call YBM. So you have ROI, return on investment. Then we have YBM, which is a different metric, which is yields beyond money. So money, yeah, ROI, got it. But now, what is what is that that thing that you can't quite calculate? You know, just just beyond the edges of our calculators, the intangible, the ineffable the judgment call, the wisdom, you know, all of those things. And, and that really requires, we always hire within Ducantra, uh people with high IQ and then a high EQ because they're making judgments, not just on spreadsheets, but they're making personal, you know, important judgments uh, when they, you know, assess a company based on, you know, factors that you can't even, you know, uh, calculate. Mm-hmm. And that's really important right now, too, especially when you're getting into like these new spaces, whether it's cryptos, NFTs or in the metaverses, like you have to be kind of investing in that person and like their principles and being able to have some level of psychology to be, know if that's an honest actor or not, because yeah. it's so yeah, yeah. Un new and unregulated. So to have someone that has a high EQ, which people don't think is real, but I absolutely think you have emotional intelligence just go talk to a few people on the street and you'll see the variance there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's really important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're very, uh, very perceptive. 
Am I? Yeah. <laughs> you you, you have you like have the range of understanding, which is really we're, this conversation's been very. Uh, um, it just goes expansive. I, I always have like <laughs> notes, and then I never look at them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, we didn't get to any of those, but we went to some mm. really cool places. Well, do you want to talk about Earth Speed? Yes, I do actually. Because that was the second piece, right? Yeah. So we have the investment vertical, and then we have the lifestyle vertical. Okay. Which is Earth Speed. Mm-hmm. And that's how we bring it all together. So we're investing in companies that are building companies of the future. But then we're also building a lifestyle platform, which is the way do we communicate and share this lifestyle, a, a, a lifestyle in the cadence of nature. So check it out. It's Earthspeed on Instagram and um, YouTube. And um, it's essentially just sharing my uh, experience learning being the apprentice on the land, learning how to farm, learning how to be more self-reliant and self-sufficient, sovereign, uh, and learning how to build this thing that we've been talking about. So build this, the community, uh, you, know, in, in, you know, bring in crypto and, and the metaverse and um, also how to, how to like cook better and eat better so that you, you can like actually infuse your microbiome with healthy microbes from fermented foods uh, how, how to use manure as compost how to oh a hay bale urinal that we just so we're having a party tonight uh-huh. so just I'm, I'm so proud of this hay bale urinal is the first step towards our full um, compost toilet system so we can actually start to use and this may be gross for some people but it's not it's <laughs> fucking nature and which is so cool but you pee into a hay bale, uh-huh. and so you have the perfect blend of um, carbon and nitrogen. So your urine has naturally, uh, you know, is is nitrogen rich, and then you have carbon. So within a compost system, you need a good blend of both greens and browns, nitrogen and carbon, and then you it actually becomes healthy, nutrient dense soil. Mm. So that's. Um, so it'll help help start breaking everything down in your compost and then you just reutilize it as fertilizer. Right. And this goes back to our initial conversation. Mm-hmm. When you start to accumulate a lot of waste, mm-hmm. then it's then you have to deal with it. Then you get illness. Right. And, mm-hmm. So when, when you're in a city and everyone pees into a toilet and they flush it and it goes into a centralized wastewater treatment plant, you gotta put a bunch of chemicals in it, you gotta treat it, it's it's sludge, it's gross. But when you on a small scale if you start to compost it immediately, nature will, will take care of it. Nature will turn it back into earth. And then you can grow food and you can have, you know, better soil that's, you know, that, that, that starts to absorb rainwater. So you don't have a lot of r- r- runoff. It's not, it's not desert. It's, it's rich and dense. And the soil movement is big right now, you know, with regenerative soil that's actually helping to draw down carbon from the air and bring it into the soil and create um, really rich soil for for growing food, which makes better food. So you don't have to add a lot of, you know, artificial fertilizers and the like. Um, So it's all part of the system. And so it starts with a hay bale urinal, which I'm really proud of. Um, (laughs) I don't know how you would use it, but (laughs) I need to build something so you can sit. Some stairs. (laughs) Yeah, some stairs so you can squat or sit. Um, right now, it's just uh, for for the guys. Um, mm-hmm. 
but you can learn how to do that on no, earth speed. No, I think that's so awesome. A lot of the content that I've been consuming lately is I call it homestead. Yes. And like homestead talk and homestead oh, yes. Instagram. Cause I'm like, I want to learn these like really valuable um, tools that we used to have and just like would be passed down that have been long forgotten. And it's just, how don't I know how to do this? I just feel so unprepared to live. Um, but now at least I know about the hay bale trick. So I'm, I'm yeah. well, and, getting and- there. You know, when you look around the world and there's so much uncertainty mm-hmm. and there's going to be some changes. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of movement. I mean, look at COVID. You mm-hmm. know, were we prepared for COVID? No. Fuck no, we weren't. No. You know, uh, and that's what we're doing is we're, uh, it, I, <laughs> you know, when we took Jamie's course, you know, he talks about um, uh, prep, prep, prepping for, for hipsters, mm-hmm. hipster prepping. You got a Mad Max score, right? Did I? I think you did. I don't remember. Yeah, there was like <laughs> nine people. I did, but Eric said I wasn't qualified, so he took my point away. But oh, 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 right, right, right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, like I'm definitely getting ready for who knows what. Anything, right? yeah. And not in a paranoid, paranoid way, like anxious, yeah. fearful way, but in a practical, just prepping yeah. kind of way. You know, we're, we're, we're just being prepared for a rainy day or a not rainy day. Right, right. That way, that's why we have rainwater catchment. So we're capturing water, so we can hold it and and utilize it when if there's a drought. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and it's fun, and right. you're and you're in touch with the earth, and there's nothing better. It's so grounding and fulfilling. So you're gonna you're gonna get out there and help me uh, plant some things today. Absolutely, I would love to for sure. Good, because yeah. uh, you're gonna awesome. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll take some some videos for Instagram. Okay. Yeah. But this has been awesome. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this, especially on a very busy day, because I know you have a very big party that you're No, I've been wanting to do this for a long time. Me too. I, I, I love your show. I Thank love you. your perspective. and I really you. wanted to do it in person, too, because it's Much so better. hard to flow and like vibe. Agreed. And there's been a couple of times that you would say a word. I was just thinking it. Yeah. And that doesn't happen through Zoom. Amen. So, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, do you want to tell the listeners and the viewers like where they can support you, follow you, and keep up with all of your projects? Yeah. Well, I'm, you know, my name's Adrian Grenier, so on all the socials, but um, really looking to grow EarthSpeed, so check out at EarthSpeed on YouTube or Instagram. Uh, Ducontra Ventures is my investment firm. Um, that's also at Ducontra.Ventures, all those things. And um, yeah, come join us in a lifestyle at the Cadence of Nature. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you. And that's it for this week's episode of Chatting with Candice. If you have a moment, please leave that five-star review. Hit like, subscribe. And if you know anyone that would enjoy this content, please share it with a friend two or three. I'll see you next time.